Now, the message I'm going to share with you has to do with seeing the glory of God. That's the theme of this week of prayer. But what does it actually mean to see the glory of God? That can come across a little conceptual, a little ambiguous, nebulous, a little philosophical, a little ethereal. It might just be something that you can't quite connect with. It's not part of the vernacular, our everyday conversations with one another. We don't talk about glory. But what does the Bible say about glory, and especially about the glory of God? And what does it mean that we should see his glory? I think the best chapter in the New Testament to maybe give us an insight, possibly a lens that we can look through to discern and understand what glory is all about, is the Gospel of John in chapter 11. There, recorded in the narrative, is a very familiar story. It's where Jesus is encountering the passing, the death of his dear friend, Lazarus. And of course, the scripture indicates that when he hears about this, it's recorded in John chapter 11 and verse 4. When he hears this, he says, listen, this sickness is not unto death even though Lazarus dies. This sickness is not unto death. But it is for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified. Then later on in verse 40, he's dialoguing with Martha as she's weeping over the passing of her brother. And he says again to her, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. There's a tight connection between the glory of God being seen and revealed and a prayer being answered. And therein is the connection between our week of prayer, our own personal, individual prayer life, and our corporate prayer expression, and seeing the glory of God. Of God. This is not unto death. It's that the glory of God would be revealed and that the Son of God, Jesus, would be glorified. Now, before I elaborate a little bit more on that, let me just step back and just kind of broaden our interpretation of that passage there recorded in John 11. Hermeneutics is the science of biblical interpretation. One of the rules in hermeneutics is that you always make sure that a text is read within its context and that there's one interpretation but many applications. One interpretation, many applications. When it comes to this portion of Scripture, one of the potential applications is to consider the fact that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had a very unique relationship with Jesus. It's defined as a friendship that Lazarus was considered a friend of Jesus. That was highlighted in the Bible. And it's interesting that in the context of that friendship, Lazarus becomes a candidate, even though he dies, to glorify Jesus in an incredible way. I want you to think about that. How important it is for each one of us in our own personal relationship with Christ, our own friendship with him, that if we would purpose to die to ourselves, not self-destruction, not self-annihilation, but self-denial, 
to not trample your will, but to align your will and engage your will in complete surrender and submission to him. That's self-denial. That you would say, I'm going to die to myself so that you'd be glorified through my life in this context, in this milieu of my friendship with you. Now, that's one potential way of looking at John 11, considering the friendship that Lazarus had and that the Son of God was glorified through that friendship because he literally died. Might I invite you to say, hey, I want to take that same journey of dying to myself, surrendering and yielding my will to Christ. And then as I die to myself, it'll be an opportunity for Christ to be so resurrected in me that he'll be seen and he'll be glorified. Now, back to this text when it comes to seeing God's glory. When you think of the word glory, in the context of the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that's used is kabod. It means to be heavy with or weighed down with. Well, how does that help us? Well, if you turn to the New Testament, the Greek word that's used is doxa. We get the statement doxology or the praises of God. It literally means to reveal or to make visible. So you marry those two to be heavy with and to be made visible. To be heavy with is more than just something physical. It means there's value here that is being understood and seen, revealed. That the glory of God is our opportunity by the work of the Holy Spirit to have our eyes opened, to have an epiphany moment, to have an illumination and enlightenment and understanding of the full weight of Almighty God in the totality of all of his attributes and all of his actions, in the fullness of all that he is, God Almighty, in his character, in his heart, in his beauty, in his uniqueness, Almighty God, his full personhood, and all the power that resides within him. See, glory is the weight. Glory in the New Testament is the revelation and understanding and seeing that weight, that fullness. That's why in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And what do you anticipate? You anticipate him saying, and the whole earth is filled with his holiness. It doesn't say that. It says this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. Why? Because his holiness is his wholeness, the fullness of who he is. And that is then seen and revealed in all the earth. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit will speak about glory. But in that context, he doesn't speak about the glory of God. He says, there's the glory of the earthly. What's that? The glory of the heavenly. And then he goes on to say, looking up, the glory of the moon and the glory of the sun and the glory of the stars and the glory of each individual star and then the glory of the resurrected body. Well, what is he saying? Well, he's saying again, the weight or the fullness 
of that particular entity or thing or object or individual, be it the moon or the sun or the stars, that when you experience it, you experience and see and it's revealed to you the fullness of it. I love astronomy. I'm just an amateur at that. My family bought me a really nice telescope years ago and many lenses, and I can look up into the heavens in the evening and see the stars and the moon and the planets, and I just marvel. And see, that telescope enables me to get a little closer and to see the fullness of that particular object. And then I could say, like Paul said, oh, the the glory of the moon and the glory of the sun, and the glory of the stars. But it can't compare with the glory of God that I see, that there's a telescope like the Bible that allows me to get really close, or the intimacy of my prayer chamber that allows me to get really close and see him. The weight, the fullness of who he is not a superficial religious conclusion about who he is. That's why the world is so distracted and they go in a myriad of different directions because they have no comprehension, no understanding of who it is that invites them to come to him. Oh, that your mind, your heart, your soul would be so illuminated. You'd have such a revelation of almighty God, the fullness of who he is with all of his power, his personhood, his attributes, his actions, his character, his beauty, his uniqueness. And you would marvel because at that moment you say, oh, the glory of God more than the moon or the stars or the sun or creation or the human body or anything else. The weight of, the heaviness of, the fullness of, and then seeing it and it being made visible to you. And that requires the work of the Holy Spirit. But there's also an opportunity for it to be seen in the world among those who don't know him by God answering your prayers. That's why you have to go back to the text and consider the fact that Jesus said, this is way the way that I'm going to be glorified. You're going to see God answer this prayer. See, we're heading in to a generation that desperately needs to see men and women, sons and daughters, that are more than their career, their title, their profession, their experience, their education. That You are his son, you're his daughter. That when you lift up a prayer, like it says of Elijah in the book of James in the New Testament, your prayer is effective. It's heard and it's answered and God's glorified as a result of it. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, in other words, you know me, not just intellectually, academically, it's not just a cerebral experience. You know him from your heart. You know him. There's an intimacy. It's relational. If you abide with me, you know me, and you abide in my word, you know my word, how I think what I do, what I don't do, what I want to happen, what I don't want to happen. Whatever desires within you, it says, Jesus is speaking, 
And you lift that as a prayer to the Father, and the Father will answer. And then listen to what he says. And in that, the Father will be glorified. He'll be made visible. He'll be revealed. This is a time and a season, come on, that we need to understand that it's more than a political election. It's a revelation that God has elected and selected and anointed you. His vote over your life to lift your voice to him in faith because you know him and you know his word and you pray a prayer that it's answered and others see and observe. And yes, you're edified and they marvel and they glorify Christ because that answer's come. Jesus is calling us into that depth, coming under that anointing. And that's why, yes, we have to do that individually in our own prayer chamber, but there's also something sacred about us gathering together corporately and crying out to God. And we're going to do that this week. I'm inviting you as your pastor to join us. And as we cry out to God, I think Four beautiful things will unfold. I'm going to say these very quickly. I won't elaborate much on them. Seeing the glory of God connected to God answering prayer so that he reveals himself is made visible. We glorify him and say, wow, God intervened. God answered that prayer. If it's a relational need or if it's a financial need or a physical need, he's about to demonstrate himself through us. You need to know the hour that we're in. All that's unfolded in God's sovereignty and providence. No, I'm not going to say he directly willed everything, but he allowed it. But it's the unfolding of his plan. Don't miss it. Open your eyes to see what God is doing and what he's about to do in you and through you. You're his son. You're his daughter. And he's calling you to be so yield and submitted to him dead to yourself and alive to him, that the Son of God would be glorified through your life, that when you pray, the sick will be healed. It's not a time for a big healing evangelist anymore. It's you, the church, me, all of us individually, a mighty prophetic army of God, a great family team and army across the world, each one of us, no names, Your identity is just you are in Christ. You're not here to make a name. You bear his name. God's anointing you, and it's going to come upon your life to see the sick healed, the dead raised, the lepers cleansed, and demons cast out by his authority for his glory. And you'll walk in that spirit of humility because no one knows better than you how inadequate, how insufficient you are, I am. How insecure all of us are. How we feel our faith never meets up to the situation. But then God, move through your life. Flowed through your life. Look at Peter. What a great example to us, really, of an individual that was passionate for the Lord, but he made some big mistakes. He didn't discern things correctly. I know there's a lot of leaders, very big leaders right now, 
They're puzzled. They're a bit perplexed. And it's created confusion even in the body of Christ because they basically prophesied how this election result would come, and it it didn't. And then you have to apply the Deuteronomy 18 test. Yeah, you have to. That if a prophet speaks and if what they say does not come to pass, then I did not speak to them, and they were not sent by me to speak that word. There is something about that reality has to hit. It's done in my life. It's happened in yours, I'm sure. But Peter... It's recorded in Matthew 16. He has this moment. Yes, an incredible moment where God gives him an epiphany, a a revelation, an illumination that he sees Jesus, what? In the fullness. Now see, that's Jesus is now being glorified. He's being made visible. He's being revealed. But it was by the Spirit because Peter says, this is who I know you are. You're not Elijah. You're not Jeremiah. You're not Daniel. You're not one of the prophets. You're not John the Baptist. You are the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one. And Jesus says, the spirits reveal that to you. You see me in my fullness. The spirits reveal that to you. And in that moment, Jesus was glorified. But then in that same chapter, Peter allows his head to get filled with the pollution of human reasoning. And the way he thought it was going to unfold for Jesus in Jerusalem would be that he would be uh, anointed earthly king, not crucified. As the scripture says in Matthew 16, on the heels of that great declaration of who Christ is, it says that, that Jesus began to share with his disciples. Hey, this is how it's going to look. I know you thought it was going to look this way. Maybe some of you need to hear that even here in America. You thought it was going to unfold that way? Listen, there's something about a bigger kingdom unfolding here and a greater election that's taking place. Don't miss it, my sons and daughters. There's a greater election and a greater kingdom that's about to be revealed by my vote, and no one can stop what I've ordained. See it. And so as Jesus began to share with his disciples what God was about to do, Peter decides now, no longer in the spirit, but in the flesh, thinking with human reasoning and human logic, and he goes in it. The scripture actually says he rebuked Jesus and said, no, no, that's not going to happen in Jerusalem. That's not how it's going to play itself out. This is how it's going to happen. And right then, Jesus, not insinuating that Peter was demonized or that he was possessed, but he says, get behind me, Satan, for your words are an offense to me. Your reasoning is men, but not with the plan of God. Think of that at that moment, Peter. Oh my goodness. I had this incredible moment when the Holy Spirit flowed through me. And then look, I made myself vulnerable to human reasoning and demonic influence dominated me at the moment. You see, all of us realize we can blow it. We can make the mistake. I don't care if you're fresh out of the womb. You've just been born again recently. You prayed the sinner's prayer and received Christ as your Savior and Lord. Or maybe you've been walking with the Lord 30, 40, 50 years. We're all vulnerable. Therefore, that should not stir up fear, but intensity, determination, and a tenacious spirit that would say to your own heart, this is not a time for me to be apathetic and passive and lethargic and insipid. I'm going to be determined and tenacious and press in because I want to hear God's voice. And that's really the first 
in that connection of praying and seeing the glory of God is hearing God's voice. We're promised in John 10 that you're my sheep, you're going to know my voice. And the scripture also says in Matthew 17, when on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Peter, James, and John were there with Christ, and he's revealed, he's being glorified, because even a greater fullness of who he is 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 being made visible, that in that moment, it says, a voice was heard through a cloud. We know it was the voice of God. And he says, this is my beloved son. Now, we know he said that also at his baptism, but he says it here on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son, but this is what's added here that wasn't said at the baptism. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him. Listen to him. It's in the imperative mood, in the mood of command. Listen to him. This is the time. This is the season. As you want to move step by step in the direction in your spiritual journey of glorifying God, yeah, I want God to be glorified in my life. First thing to do, hear him. Get alone with him in the intimacy of prayer. Get to him in Holy Scripture. The Bible's his written voice. So you become a candidate to hear his spoken voice. With my grandchildren, I know they can't quite catch it about what it means to hear God, but you know what I'll do? I'll take the Bible and I'll open and close it like that, like a mouth. And I'll say, this is how God will speak to you. Are you ready to listen? Take the Bible, read it, and watch the Scripture leap off the pages, grab your ear, grab your heart, and you'll hear his voice, his written voice. And then you'll begin to hear his voice to your heart, his spoken voice. Hear him, hear him. And when you hear him, you're going to know then what his will is. You'll have a better understanding of it. So not only hearing in your journey, but knowing, again, not just academically, but relationally in your heart, you'll know and understand his will and his ways so that you'll do then the doing, which is you'll pray the prayer that's in harmony with his will. If you abide with me, my word abides in you. You ask whatever you will and shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. And in this, the Father will be glorified. John 15, verse 7. So I'm going to hear you. And maybe I'm going to hear something I've never heard before, like I prophesied last Sunday that you would know something you've never known before about his will, that you can then do something you've never done. And that doing is an expression of your faith because faith incorporates believing, which is action, and trusting, which is attitude. You see, believing is, involves your hands and your feet. Trusting involves your heart. Both are incorporated in a beautiful biblical New Testament expression of faith. Believing, action trusting your attitude. And in James, it makes it very clear, there has to be that action dynamic to your faith. For he says there, I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you it by my works. So there is a doing. You're hearing, you're understanding, you're knowing, you're doing, then you will see something you've never seen before. You'll see and you'll see the glory of God as he answers the prayer that you lift up. And others, this is not just about you. The anointing of the Holy Spirit equips us to help others, maybe in concrete, tangible, practical ways, and maybe sometimes in very supernatural ways by praying for them. 
And God answers the prayer and everyone sees the glory of God because they're seeing an answer to prayer and that God is real and he's alive and he's powerful and he's relevant to the pressing needs that are around us. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. And I invite us to just consider what it says in Hebrews chapter four and verse 16. Let us come boldly. That's what we're going to do now. And that's what we're going to do out throughout this week. Let us come boldly, not arrogantly, but boldly to his throne of grace to find and obtain mercy and grace to help, to help us and others in time of need. That's when you'll see the glory of God revealed when you lift your voice to him in prayer because you're hearing, knowing, doing, and then you'll see. And when you see, others will see, and they'll say, to God be the glory. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we ask for that anointing to rest on our lives. All those here in the sanctuary, the extended sanctuary, those that are watching right now online or later on this week, oh God, stir our hearts. Let an anointing come upon us. May we soar above anxiety and fear and discouragement and self-centeredness. Let us soar above worry and disillusionment and May we be men and women that are anointed by the Holy Spirit, that eyes that are open and see the weight and the fullness of who you are, Almighty God. And then to reveal that, to make that visible to others when we lift our voice to you in prayer and say in Jesus' name, the one who said, ask in my name and you shall receive. And in this, the Father will be glorified. Oh, do that in us, Lord, and do that through us. Be magnified, be magnified, be glorified.